Welcome to today's episode of CLCI Live, brought to you by the award-winning and ICF-accredited school, Certified Life Coach Institute. Sit back, relax, and enjoy today's episode. Hi, everybody. Hello, hello. Um, before we get started with what our topic will be, I want to tell everybody out there, uh, take a moment, make sure that if you are watching right now, that you please click that sub subscribe button. Click that like button, click that share button, and also please comment during this live. Um, we love to hear from you. So if you have any questions, comments, feedback as you're watching, we are monitoring um, comments both from uh, YouTube and from Facebook. So please, please, please go ahead and uh, join in the conversation. That's all for me. Who wants to introduce the topic? <laughs> I think Anthony should. What? <laughs> he didn't do his homework as uh, thoroughly as he should have. Today, we are talking about crazy beliefs from coaching the person, not the problem, by Mar Marcia Reynolds. Marcia Reynolds, yeah. yeah Marcia Reynolds, yeah. I knew the author. For those of you out there watching, this is pulled directly from this book, Coach the Person, Not the Problem. And um, it is, yeah, I've got it right behind me too. That's awesome. Good, good call. I think we all have it. It's an amazing book. Mm -hmm. if, you're, yes. if you're thinking of becoming a coach, a coach, a seasoned coach, any kind of which way, it's a really wonderful uh, way to look at things and adapt towards. So um, we're, we're talking about the five crazy beliefs that coaches, new and old, have about coaching and dismantling and and we're not just gonna agree right off the bat with marcia reynolds we'll give our own takes yeah we're gonna have interpretations right. of these beliefs and um, that's nice we got some guidance right now which is nice as we go through. so this time usually we you know we dissect words and things like this we're just gonna dive in we don't think we need to discuss what crazy means you guys want to talk about what crazy what crazy beliefs what could be insane beliefs um uh okay not actually pc word uh, well are these the crazy beliefs from the coach's standpoint or from people who think about coaching i think once we get diving oh. in we will we will bring it'll bring us some more clarity but these are mostly beliefs that coaches have that 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 is likely these are the beliefs that coaches mm -hmm. are bringing uh into their coaching practice uh especially new coaches or i mean any coach really but this is really from the perspective of the coach so crazy beliefs that coaches may have uh is is really a largely what i think like are. danger danger will robinson danger and i mean they're not that crazy we just talked about that uh so um it's described in the book as the unreasonable beliefs judgments and assumptions about coaching uh, so this is an un they're unreasonable i wouldn't necessarily go that far but let's begin with the first one shall we crazy belief numero uno number one is it takes a really long time to be really good at coaching. Um, it takes a long time, I, I added the next, to be really good at coaching. And um, which already a bit of a controversial, I see quiet faces, right? <laughs> About over there. Mm -hmm. This is a crazy belief. It's listed as a crazy belief in this book. You guys don't have to agree. How do you feel about that statement? make No. <laughs> I actually kind of agree with it, and I'm, I'm basing I'm basing this off of this this knowledge and this statement that it takes about ten thousand hours of mastery of a skill to become a master. 
um, which mastery in my mind means really good. Um, that's another synonym for that. So if we're looking at coaching as a skill set that you possess, maybe not being a coach, but you know, the skill set that we teach you and that you learn through ICF training, 10,000 hours to reach that mastery, in my opinion, which I know very much diverges from, you know, what the ICF defines as mastery and professional and associate and things like that. Um, completely separate scales, but that's kind of my immediate go-to thought is like, you need experience and you need a lot of training um, and training, not in the sense of like, you know, going to school, but, you know, keep training yourself and, you know, self-study to get to that level of really good. I think if you had done your homework, you would have read that that she had 10, 10. I've not done that. He does agree. <laughs> well, he does agree I, the statement, but what there's a little there's a nuance here that we're missing. Mike, I heard yeah. you in this. Yeah. No, um, I'll I'll defer to Misha first. Um, because Misha, you were just about to say something and then I'll Yeah, sure. Uh, Thank you, Mike. Um, so I guess I would contend that um uh, the, wow, we keep switching all over the place. <laughs> um, okay, don't get distracted by the, the visuals. Okay, I would contend that it, it depends on what you're thinking you're becoming a mastery of because our clients are the masters of themselves. Our clients are the experts of themselves. And so if we have experience with humans, as I, I mean, hey, I'm going to just out myself. I'm 54 years old and I have a lot of experience with humans. I don't know who they are, but I, I, I can engage with them. I've had a lot of time observing them and witnessing them. I'm a human myself. Wow. Who knew? Um, but I think that if we, in combination with education and practice, that it doesn't have to take a long time to become a really good coach. And then the other question is, what how are you defining a really good coach? So back to mm. you, Mike. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I think where Anthony left off at the end, and Brooke said it too, that word I was going to use is nuance to it. And I think Anthony said it at the end there with training and with that practice um, time. And of course, it's still that relative word of what does it mean to be really good, right? A really good coach. Because I think this is one of those things where you can relate it back to gifts, I think some people can start off the first time coaching a little bit further along than someone else because it's called life coaching, right? So based off of different experiences with life and all the other factors that go around just showing up to the coaching scene, right? Mm -hmm. I think a lot of that uh, plays into it and it's all about that training. And so I think it's also a, a mindset of the coach the coach themselves, like, what do you choose? Are you choosing to be a good coach where you are open to change and all of that? And so that's why I said false right off because um, it could, I think it's just more so of a um, absolute statement instead of the nuances around it. It could take a long time for some, um, it could be short for others. So that's, that was just my initial thoughts on it. I've got a, I've got a question that might, bring into maybe a problem with the, the term really good coaching. And we're all in the coaching space. We're all, we're all knowledgeable about ICF. We got all that context. How would coaches define a really good coach? And how does that differ from how clients might define a really good coach mm. when they're, they don't have the context we do and they're looking for a coach. And that sort of dovetails beautifully into, um, 
the point made by the book uh, is that a lot of times people get wrapped up. Um, they go to see these very experienced coaches. Like they want to go, they want to see a good coaching demonstration. They go and go, okay, I'm going to go watch a very experienced coach uh, who's probably also working with a very experienced client. Um, uh, but uh, when what happens is what gets into the head of coaches is, well, I'm not good enough to start coaching because I'm, I haven't, X, Y, Z. I haven't completed enough training. I haven't all of these things. But the truth of the matter is, um, you the way that you're going to become really good is by getting the experience. And what do you have to do to get the experience? You have to start coaching. And so the book brings up that you should start coaching day one. Like that's what I mean. It doesn't. Don't get stuck in this thought process of really. I have to have a lot. This many. This much of this and this much of this to be this really good at this but truthfully you can be doing a lot of good uh from the very beginning do we do we remember exponents do you guys remember exponents like in math like in math? <laughs> yeah. so exponents if we think about 10 exponent one that's going to be kind of the basic understanding of coaching the basic connection to coaching and I can be really good at an exponent one, which is not really, there's not really an exponent one because it's just 10. But as I develop myself as a coach and that exponent two, I'm develop, developing my skill set. I'm I can be really good there too. Or conversely, in both areas, I can really suck. <laughs> so the idea, like Brooke was saying, is get out there, start coaching. That practice is going to allow you um, to have training wheels on because of the training and the education you provide yourself as you get more proficient and comfortable with the framework of what coaching is, those training wheels come off. As those training wheels come off, you experiment with different um, concepts that your client tend to bring up and bring out and you notice what works and what doesn't work in some of the question format. So when we're, thinking about who we are as a coach, thinking about, is it a really long time to be a good coach? It depends on what, who said that? Anthony, your def, Mike, um, I think all of us have said, who, what your definition of that coach is. Every level of a coach, as long as you are understanding what this life coaching is, can have a benefit with a client. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's one of the things that that Marcia says. Am I okay? Sorry, I didn't know where I was. I was moving around for a second. She says that everyone can benefit from a thinking partner, and that you can serve clients with limited experience. And an opposite definition she gives for mastery, which I absolutely love, Anthony, is mastery has no end. <laughs> You're all always Mic drop. <laughs> 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 the pause in itself. <laughs> yeah. Always be right. learning. Uh, and, I think, <laughs> and that's what the thing is. We, we a big a point, and I, I'm, I'm just worth rereading as we go through this, um, is, is that she brings up is she remember re recalls when she started coaching how she has these she could see these huge gaps she has the knowledge to know that there are these gaps in her coaching education and um 
uh, in that those gaps. So while she was very aware of them, especially early on, she was getting all these glowing reviews from her clients and these wonderful testimonials because she's doing a, she's doing good. And so don't be afraid to do the do. Um, even if you feel like, Oh, I, I haven't done everything that, you know, this amazing coach has, or I haven't, because really truthfully, you're going to gain the most experience, at least for me, I, the most knowledge and experience that doesn't come from reading, but it comes from actually doing the practice of coaching. Um, are we ready for crazy belief number two? Wait, can I take a poll? Can, can yes. I take a poll on something? So true, true or false? All great coaches coached before they were great. True. 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 Yeah, I had to think about it. <laughs> yeah, true. For sure. I was I was trying to think. Is this a trick question? Because like break it down. I thought I thought that was being tricky too yeah like what what is she trying to do here <laughs> no i just thought of that and i'm like wait i think that's true right is it true let's find out <laughs> i i think there is um what one thinks is coaching and then when we learn what is coaching that's two different things the the commonality between the two is we care and we're interested mm. Yeah. The other thing I wanted to mention, and just because I like literally got fresh out of a class just now with some of our students, is that the the more we do it, even if it's in just 20 minute stints, we're improving. Like, I mean, just seeing these students from yesterday to today, like the, it was monumental, the difference that they made in their approach and in their willingness and their own coachability. So yeah, I, I would say back to Marcia's word, it takes practice, just like anything we do. I mean, I speak three languages. You think that I did that just because I was born that way? <laughs> no. So, you know, it's just, it's everything we do requires practice. I think the other thing to consider too is also, I think that as coaches, we should all be willing to be coached too. And I think that, that that's a tremendous tool in learning uh, and in the learning process is that willingness to be um, coached mm -hmm. as well. Behind um, every great coach is another coach. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And behind that coach is Rich Litvin. <laughs> I like him. He's a good. He's a good coach. Probably. I like him. Shut up. Shut up. We're gonna talk about number two, guys. Numero dos. Number two. Crazy belief. Number two. Questions are needed to create breakthrough or new awareness. I'm not going to give you any more more than that. Take it. I wasn't paying attention. I got to read that question. Questions? questions are needed to create a breakthrough or new awareness. It is a necessity that we have questions to do that. I see. I'm, uh, yeah, I'm not ahead. even sure that like the premise, you should even be considering the premise of a coach should pursue breakthroughs and new awarenesses. Um, that part, I'm just like skeptical of if the coach is just trying to score points and that's the carrot on the stick for the coach, like, I don't know. It just seems very antithetical to coaching, which is you're partnering the client and they are driving the coaching session to whatever goal it is they have in mind. So if they want awareness and breakthroughs, then maybe you'll be coaching that way. But often, at least in my experience, we're not coaching for breakthroughs <clears throat> and awareness. It's very 
incrementally small things that will eventually lead to whatever desire or outcome they want. Um, so I'm already a bit ugh, on this, you know, question. I will say this, we, this, that sort of area is addressed less. And I don't think we should lose that point that, that as a coach, we should not be coaching for breakthroughs and new awareness. We should be coaching for whatever the client is bringing to the table and not getting our ego wrapped up and having to have a breakthrough with our client. But I think a big part of what she is saying in this is that coaching is questions. Mm -hmm. Might be another way to say the statement. And I just, yeah. Yeah. So tell, okay, tell me more. Yeah. <laughs> so, so it's not, I mean, it's part of, questions are part of, but there's nothing in the whole wide world that we do that is one single element. And so I feel like, yeah, maybe questions are needed, but they're not the only thing that's needed. We need pause. We need breath. We need um, connection. Um, I think that there's a, a respect of where the client is and where they want to go and that gap that they have to jump through or, or over around and, uh, you know, grandmother's house we go <laughs> to, to be able to get there. But I, I think the word needed is really um, limiting. Yeah, I would, yeah. I would agree with you on, on what you're saying. There's just so many nuances of who we are in the process, that it's not just the question. And a lot of the times the students get so wrapped up and wanting to ask that perfect question. And, and really that's, that's not the focal point. So yeah, good point, Misha. Mm -hmm. Mike? Oh, go on, Mike. It, it just, ma no, it just makes me think of, it makes me think of like um, one of the things uh, it may be in the 102 where we have all these statements, right? And it says, you know, something there. And so I'm just hearing all this and I, I share often, I don't like absolutes. And so anytime I see something, right, <laughs> I'm like, no, it's something in me that just, so questions are needed to create break. Maybe, like maybe. And so all of you have been uh, saying, I think that's the biggest and most important thing. Um, questions could be used to help reach a breakthrough new awareness, but it's always something else beyond just what we're looking at. And I think that goes back to that last question too, of like expectation for us as the coach and for the client. And I think if we keep, the client doesn't know the ins and out of what a coach, what a coach should do and what coaching looks like. But if we do, then we can help with these kind of absolutes and direct statements that help us open up more into that space. Anthony. No, I was going to say, I wonder if it's possible to have a coaching session by only using declarative statements or <laughs> <laughs> nothing, nothing oh with a question God. mark at the end. Misha brought up some really great points about what happens in that coaching space. But I think one of the big points brought up by the book is that uh, one of the big things that happens in a coaching session that kind of get, does not get the the um, kind of, uh, I guess, popularity, it doesn't win the popularity contest. You're not gonna hear it, you know, it comes down to these, everybody, you know, students come in and go, I want I want to know what the best questions are. I need to know the best questions. I need to know the right questions. I need to know, but what is often not thought about is the power of reflective statements. How those moments, those breakthroughs, that new awareness is so often coming from a reflective statement when we just literally reflect back something our clients say to us 
Um, and a lot of times, Jen, I know you can answer this. What do they do when you do that? <laughs> they are sometimes stunned hearing their thoughts out loud, uh, hearing their words out loud. They, a lot of times have been saying the same thing over and over for so long that they don't know anything different. And then hearing you say it sometimes like just jolts them. And that, did I say that? alone, <laughs> right. Like, oh, I did say that. Oh, okay. So what does that mean? I mean, that alone can cause a major shift in awareness. And I think that, that I would almost argue, I mean, we'd have to have the statistics that those moments, those breakthroughs, those awareness moments are more often coming from a reflective statement than from a question. Mm -hmm. um, and that's why that, that element alone is just, it's an insanely powerful tool that just doesn't get that kind of show because, you know, we're just, it's, it's a, something that we're doing, but the right timing, I think just the word always so when your client says to you always and you just reflect back always can boom aha moments right there right <laughs> and there's a comment in the chat about that right now too actually and that's so. the absolutes right like that ties right back in with mike's point those absolutes right um yeah. but that can all be done in a coaching session and all be a reflection um any other thoughts in that space in this number two space when you are focused on asking the right or the best question, you are not fully present. You are somewhere else in your head. And being present is often going to be more valuable for the client than asking the perfect question. I would totally agree. Yeah. Are you guys ready for numero trace number three? I don't know why this is a bilingual show all of a sudden. <laughs> because because Misha said she speaks three languages, so that's why. Right, we got to keep up now. Misha yeah. set the bar really high. We got to keep up. I should have said five. <laughs> now, again, this is one of one of those. We notice she's using these absolute words, these declarative mm -hmm. statements. Must, and I think that's what makes them a little crazy. So we're gonna get hooked up on that. Must a bit. I'm sure only the coach must ask only open not closed question so let's first for anybody watching who isn't aware of what an open question and what a closed question is can we define can somebody volunteer to define that or for anybody who doesn't i'll know? volunteer <laughs> uh, so open open versus closed right uh the the quickest way to define that open-ended question allows for more room of what the answer is versus closed usually is going to be typically short one sentence it's close more closed answers right so short response um and one of the things there that we share is think about who what when where how typically is going to be the start of an open-ended question versus do is or have you put anything behind that is going to be yes no but it's more about opening up the options for the person listening right for the responder and so open-ended question it opens up the opportunity for response i think that's the easiest and simplest way to explain it however a closed-ended question can be pertinent in the right space so it's not about yes. never <laughs> right sometimes mm -hmm. i need to know if i'm going right or left I, you, you mm -hmm. can't leave me guessing with this whole long <laughs> uh, right. <laughs> right exactly so, 
you know, am I, is it on, is it off? You know, so there are directive things that I need to answer as a client that close ended um, supports. So it's. Um, also close and open, even though linguistically speaking, there is like a objective difference from the client perspective. It's very subjective. I've asked intentionally closed ended questions and my chattier clients have interpreted them as open-ended questions. So no problem. Yep. <laughs> you, might, you might get a client where there's not really a difference. They will expound on any question you ask, um, regardless if it's open or closed. And the same is inversely true. You can ask a very well thought out, the perfect open-end question, and they'll shut that right down because uh, they don't this feel like the reason. This is the reason we don't have to get hung up on knowing the right question. We still can be strategic and try to think about, but it's all about listening to the client, right? And even probably in the beginning, determining with the client, what kind of questions work best for you? You know, because I know when I hear a lot of why questions, I'm going to feel judged. Like, why'd you do this? Why'd you do, why didn't you do that? So, I mean, it could certainly be an open-ended. I got a lot of options when I had get a why question, but I could feel like, oh boy, what rabbit hole am I going down now to, and how can I get myself out of trouble? Why are you asking me why, coach? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's like, what do you mean? What do you mean why? And that right there is one of the things I share too in class. It's, it, you, you have these things, and I think the beautiful thing about the whole topic tonight is the crazy beliefs, but it's also a lot of what you hear. And I love in the breakdown, um, when we're, we're looking at that, it talks about where it comes from, right? So it's what you hear, and I love to share that you hear this, though you want to open up, there is space and time for certain closed-ended questions or certain things that is not what you would typically understand as being the right thing. And it goes back to what Misha said, what all of us said so far, it's really about seeing where the client is. And to Anthony's point, you have to get to know your client. That's that coach-client relationship. And I talk about it being a dance. I kind of know what moves don't quite jive with my dance partner. So I'm going to switch it up a little bit. And that's the beauty, I think, in coaching that presence when you connect with your clients. And you might have some clients is like, mm, they might ask you, can you can you narrow that down a little bit more? Okay, this may be a space where close. Can I ask you a closing question here? Um. I really quickly, I want to say hi to Brian. Hi to Sue. Thank you guys for watching and thank you for commenting. We, I, I apparently was not looking at the chat. So I just wanted to take a moment to say hey, hello to those who are participating in the chat. And they both have some awesome points and maybe we'll highlight one of them in a second. Um, so she lays out very clearly in this book, the three effective, uh, close questions are effective in at least, she, so in here, in at least these three situations. And I think the third one, I want, kind of want to explore a little, and we might want to explore the others as well. So one, to help clarify what clients want to resolve in the coaching. So just a clarification. Uh, is it, Are we right here? Is this what we want to do? Yes or no? Those kind of things. Uh, to affirm if a reflective statement is accurate. Mm -hmm. So we just talked about reflective statements. Can we maybe kind of give an example here? Is this possible? I think that, that, um, so if, if I was a client and I was saying um, that, uh, you know, I, I uh, am not capable of, of organizing my house how I wanted to. <laughs> it's always so, Brooke, I, I hear you saying that you're not capable of 
um, organizing your house the way you want to. Did I get that right? Yes. I want to say Boom. so many things right there, though. <laughs> <laughs> and that, there it is. That proves it, though, Brooke. That proves the point we've been talking about, right? Yeah. When that was the that was an example of how we can. It's other ways too, but what Misha said, right? Did I hear that correctly? Because it's ownership on my part as well. And then you said yes, but it's so many other awesome. That's where, as a coach, we want to give that opportunity. Tell tell me what what else are you tell thinking? Because yeah. you said yes, but you I, I don't know. I sense something. Tell me what's going on in this space. And that's the beauty of it. And that's where that close ended question could open up you know the door to other opportunities and possibilities and also i i would say from by reflecting the statement back to me i i'm i can then listen and hear what box i'm putting myself in mm. right and that's where that but comes from that where is the where there's this limiting i'm like limiting beliefs but then i go wait is that true is that all true is that you know and then i start to do the work by um uh why can't i remember her name right now Katie. Bye, Katie. Bye, Katie. Thank you. Um, then let's talk about number three. To prompt clients when it is clear they have had a startling insight, but they aren't speaking. In this, in the last case, the qu question such as, has something shifted for you? Might give them a push to articulate what they now speak. Interesting. This, I, I almost want to read it again because I, I see Anthony's face because I know there's something in me that makes this, that makes the hair stand up on my neck a bit. It and I'll, seems, I'll the, the reason why it seems a bit, I'm a bit skeptical of it. It seems like you're fishing for, so me, fishing yeah, me, for specifically well, a breakthrough. Not even that necessarily why for me, I was breaking yeah. the silence for me, but uh, to prompt clients when it is clear they have had a startling insight, but aren't speaking, are not speaking. In the last case, a question such as, has something shifted to you, might give them a push they need to articulate what they now see. So. What was the question based on that? Did you have a question? I forgot. No, there's no question. She just says this, this, oh. that is the, when the third time you should use a yes or a closed-ended a, a close question. Oh. And I can see how has something shifted for you could work in there uh because it has a have you i see a shift in energy is that correct kind of thing yeah. but what really bothered me though is but they aren't speaking and what's wrong with that that's what bothered me mind interrupting the silence yeah. <laughs> like i might only i might only ever ask that if i could like visually see the client go hmm like really There's like puzzling it out or like giving some heavy nonverbal cues. I might rephrase it a different way, but I don't know. That one. So that silence, that silence kind of is in an important space, but there's a, there's a moment when after they have whatever they're doing, contemplating, thinking, emotionally connecting to what, whatever it is that they're doing in a moment in inward reflection, they're going to look at you. And then that's when you possibly open that question up, share with me what's going on there. But that yeah. silence is golden. 
Yeah, and I think I think it can depend, though. I really think that you know what she's saying is here are some examples of three ways where closed-ended mm -hmm. questions could be helpful. But as a coach, with that practice thing we were talking about, we get to decide whether that's the moment to ask that question. Did something shift? <laughs> you know, so and 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 then or not break the silence, which is definitely what the we have two people commenting on. Why not just offer uh, observation? Or is silence a bad thing? No. Sometimes sitting with a client can be really helpful. Yeah, exactly. Mike or Brian and Sue. Yeah. Um. The one thing though that I mean, when we're talking back to the sort of the first point that was brought up uh, that I'm just exploring here, I, that is a very good point that she brings up is that goaltending um, and using that when we're talking about goaltending. When we say that, that's what we mean is when we are trying to figure out what the purpose of the session is, what the purpose of the overall coaching is. These are really good moments to use those yes or no um, kind of kind of statements. When we're getting to that, we're just trying to we open them up and then we, we've got to focus them in. And so to help with that focusing, and that's when those closed-ended statements become very, very critical. Um, do you guys have any other times that you think an open or closed-ended or a closed-ended question, uh, maybe that we haven't discussed, discussed that might be really beneficial to use one? Um, I can think of one, but Jen, Jen, I see you're nodding your head. <laughs> yeah, I like the question, is that serving you? I, yeah, I usually make that an open question by asking, how is that serving you? But there might be times when just a straight, is that serving? And is that serving you? I mean, yeah, it works. I, one of the questions that I've had um, in my sessions, somebody will say something and I will ask, do you want to change that? Mm -hmm. Right. And that could also be, you know, yeah. And I think that's in Marcia's book too. We should move on. I'm, I'm keeping an eye on the time. I'm like thinking uh -oh. like maybe number 10 four. minutes for belief. Let's talk about number four, which is great. This pivot's wonderful. We've sort of talked about what reflective statements are. We've talked about using them. Now she says reflective statements are too confrontational. So let's really, before we even go into this, let's talk about how, why people might find them to be confrontational. I mean, you are giving, if someone says something um, as if I, I'm, hmm. they might not like to hear their own words reflected back to them because it's so brutally honest. Um, I'm trying to think of specific examples, but Lisa, you. I, got, I have a great example. Um, I have a great, what you said, Anthony, that hit the nail on the head. <laughs> it. I had I was working with a coach and the coach shared this at like conclusion right of the session but how much it helped them like as you were responding my first visceral reaction was you are it's almost like you're throwing back in my face what I'm saying and you're throwing back the not moving forward or what's going on and the problems and the issues so now as I'm staring in that mirror I'm looking at a thing that I really want to change but I haven't got there yet. And it kind of made me feel, you know, a type of way. However, in doing that, I was able to unpack it. And as we begin to flip it to the, the path forward, now it helped me. If we had not done that on the front end, I wouldn't have been able to get to this point to where I put the puzzle pieces back together 
accurately, right? So I think it's one, it, let's think about communication. If somebody keeps repeating back what you said, no, did you hear me? Did I hear you? No, you know, so it's one of those reflective, a lot of times it really, it's almost like you're having to stare in the mirror what's going on. And I think that's how sometimes it can be believed or seemingly confrontational. Can I pop in on, on this one? Yeah, Jerome. Absolutely. Um, <laughs> I just want to say I think that we're, we're probably um, conditioned to hold a conversation where it progresses um, with a response that doesn't mimic yours. Um, isn't that, you know, when we grow up, that's something that we do as kids. You repeat what somebody says to you and kind of upsets them. It gets under their skin. You repeat um, what somebody says to them to you and it kind of I know you are, but what am I? Someone <laughs> <laughs> conditioned to, to kind of expect a response that isn't what we just, what we said, you know, ourselves. Um, we're waiting for someone to either agree with us or disagree, but to say exactly verbatim what I just said, it's like, are you challenging me here? And I mean, that, that to me, just to answer that question, um, why it may seem too concrete confrontational i think that's that's part of the reason why i i i agree sometimes yeah, I agree it's too. really hard for us to face the the things we tell ourselves and to just have it like put up you know like right there i think it could also make us feel vulnerable and naked and um maybe it's something that we just said that we didn't even think we've said so much we don't even think about when we say it and then we hear it and it's like oof ouch um oh my gosh i have been lying to myself for this long and that can feel really sometimes those breakthrough moments while being very powerful can be accompanied by a lot of tears and a lot of strong emotion and that's a lot of times because it's a lot of times a moment when we're like i am my own worst enemy i am getting in my own way i am the reason i am stuck and that can be really hard for people to face and much harder when you tell me, Brooke, <laughs> much harder when you tell me that's what you're hearing. <laughs> it's like, dang, how does she read me? I <laughs> saw right through it. Uh, um, there's a word, though, in here that I want to discuss because I T-O-O. And that exactly, that is that word, too confrontational, because I think that that word is so critical in this sentence. I've grown up with that word my whole life. Too sensitive, too emotional, too this, too too short. What two is? How many is too many? <laughs> yeah, I was thinking about that, and I realized, like you know, if we're offering reflective statements, and we're really monitoring our presence and our tone, that they don't have to be confrontational. And and then we use the word too. It, that just distorts everything as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> I will also argue, though, that as coaches, we are allowed to be confrontational. On Absolutely. Right there. Anthony likes that. 100%. <laughs> no, I was going to add, too confrontational I, might be when you're becoming argumentative or hostile. I like challenge not, better than confrontational. Yeah, to be but fair. to challenge yeah, or yeah, to the confront someone, like you are putting yourself or situation in front of the client where it's unavoidable, um, whatever it is you're bringing to the table. So one example was um, I was coaching a client a, a, a while back and she 
we kept on coming. We stayed on session. We kept coming up with goals, and she would have things to do for the week. And then by next week, wouldn't do them. And this would kind of repeat herself. And so the con confrontation or the challenge that I brought was, hey, I'm observing. You keep saying these things, and you keep doing other things. Is there something that's going on that's causing this to happen? And then that led that confrontation led her to break the cycle and delve deeper into what it is that's happening when she says one thing but does another thing. And I well, think I, mean, that I, I oh sorry, Brooke, go ahead. Oh, yeah, no, 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 no. I was just gonna say, I mean, I kind of introduced that with my clients. Like, is would this be an okay time for me to push back a little bit? Mm -hmm. May I push back a minute? You know, just ask permission. May I push back? My my clients know though <laughs> that they're coming to me for that. They want that deep dive, so oh, it just yeah. depends on where what you label as your you know what you're doing with your clients too. And that's I mean, that's one of those things where where that's when that you you know you see those coaches that are putting out there like I don't want to work with weak clients. I don't want to work with you're gonna we're gonna do work. You're gonna come in and you're gonna expect they get all very soapboxy, um, but. But why do they do that? Because they want the co the clients to know that you're you're coming when you're coming in. This isn't a, I'm not here to to be a people pleaser or a yes person. I am I am here to facilitate growth. Um, and growth is painful and difficult. <laughs> um, and, and radically beautiful. It is absolutely. So, but the, the reality is we, there are times where we have to be willing to make our clients uncomfortable mm -hmm. a little bit. I mean, we don't want to, and it's always done in a safe space, right? They're uncomfortable yeah, in a safe space. And that's, that's really, I think, important. Right. And it goes <laughs> back to what Lisa said, right? When, when, you know, we all said like, yeah, to be confrontational intent is everything. So even thinking about how you present something, right? When Lisa said challenging. Because that, like I talk about in a session, right? The difference between me interrupting a client and doing a gentle check-in, it changes the way I deliver it. <laughs> Is it the same thing? Perhaps. But I think right there, the challenge, sometimes I want to challenge. And so I, I think that changes to, changes it to intent is everything. Yep. All right. We are going to move on to number five because now Anthony has me looking at the clock. <laughs> So let's, let's pull it up. Let me, I'm just going to switch gears. Okay. So coaching must always, again, in one of those. Always. Always. Have a clear outcome or vision of a desired future. This is a little controversial here. It's interesting. I mean, if, if we take the word always out. Oh, you like how it's a dollar sign? That's I did. Favorite. I was just looking at it. The $5 <laughs> question. <Bye. laughs> I, I just was looking. I'm like, oh, five dollar question. <laughs> this is a bonus. This the is a bonus question. Only a right dollar. Here. <laughs> if I think maybe if you're going for your ACC, this might be like a factually true statement um, because it's maybe what the people are trying to critique and observe. I don't know. Can you? Yeah, I'm going to say, no, they want to know that you, the coach, have, you know, what those questions that we have set up in our classes to ask, mm -hmm. what are you going to, the contract, the session contract, mm -hmm. what, you know, by the end of our session, what do you want to achieve? They want us checking in and connecting to that. 
but does it have to have the desire that outcome? No, they don't look for that. Mm, okay. But there does need to be a clear sort of contract that should lead to an outcome, whether you've reached that outcome or desired future or not, that's maybe beside the point, but that should be there. That's the only time I can think of that's like really clear. Otherwise, you know, most coaching sessions, a lot of them, I'm not going to say most, a lot of them don't have that clear outcome or vision of a desired future. Sometimes it's a lot of exploration so that they can figure out what the clear outcome is. Steps towards it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Many, many times clients will say, oh, I want to get all of this. I want to have five things to accomplish by the end of the session and da, da, da. and they come up with one <laughs> and they realize that that one piece is integral part to everything that they're moving towards anyway. So it, it's a process. As I keep saying that it's a process with them discovering really not what the perfect answer is, what they should answer, but really what their truth is and what they're authentic authentic commitment is to themselves. I think that we, what I really want to bring up uh, in this space is what, what is the name of the book this is pulled from? I'm looking it up. The person, not the problem. Not the problem. And I think that that, that right there is what this number five is about, uh, truly. Um, is that when when our clients are coming in, they might be unsure. They might be, they might just want to talk something through to gain clarity. They might just want a sounding board or a place that they can explore. And that doesn't fall into a clear outcome or a vision of a desired future, right? That right there is us coaching a problem. That is us saying, okay, what tangible do you want to achieve? And it might be that they just need some clarity. They're feeling stuck. They're in this space. And then as you start to, okay, so what does clarity look like? Uh, it looks like a discussion and, and then boom. Okay, let's do that. Let's have that discussion. And from that can come some really powerful stuff that might eventually lead to a clear outcome and a vision and a desired future and steps to, towards it. But, but sometimes it can be as simple as I need a space to talk. Well, and it, you know, a clear outcome might just be, I'm not ready to do that. I'm not ready to take that step. I thought I was ready to take that step, but I'm actually not ready to take that step. Okay. Yeah. 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 And sure. as the coach too, Misha, as the coach, right? If we're stuck on the problem, right? Or getting them to that, that vision desired outcome, we can lose track of where they really are. And again, the title of the book, right? We lose track of where they really are. And now we've lost them. So guess what? I have to work just as, I have to work that much harder to regain that connection, that focus, that trust, rapport, all of that. And so I think that's the important thing. It, it really is, and it, there it is, that absolute word we just drop in there always. It could, sure. But not always. <laughs> Sometimes it's just going to be that, I mentioned that gentle check-in. When you do that check-in, you're looking at timing and you're trying to keep up. They may say, you know what, coach, I've never heard, I've never had a chance for someone to just hear me out for 10 minutes, let alone this time we're spending in this session. And this is really helping. Like, 
it's almost like a weight is being lifted off of me. Now I can possibly see what's that future vision I have for myself because I'm removing this big wall that was just right here that I haven't had a chance to process to this point. Right. So I feel like we've got, we've covered a lot. We have a little bit of time left. So I'm going to say, I think that this is, I'm okay. Is everybody okay with, with pausing here so we can answer a question for Jennifer Snyder? Yeah. <laughs> hey, Jennifer. Jennifer Snyder has an off-topic question. Since you brought up time, smiley face, <laughs> how do I keep track of time without looking at my phone? If I don't, sometimes the session goes over time. Any ideas? So one question, Jennifer, is this in person or is this virtual? I think it's in, I mean, we can discuss both. I don't right? know if it, yeah. it matters either way. I've got a, a quick solution. Put your phone on vibrate, put a timer on and stick it in your pocket. That way, <laughs> uh, at the 50 minute mark, the uh, 55 an minute option? mark, 30 minute mark. I don't just, have pockets. Then get some pockets. <laughs> I wouldn't put my phone in my pocket. Please is being difficult. Just put it under your butt. <laughs> so, some options. Yeah, some people put a big clock right across from wherever their seat is. Um, I, I have know one everywhere I can look. Yeah. <laughs> I've also so had... Oh, Jennifer said in person, so I'm sorry, Misha. Uh, Jennifer said in person, so a couple of other things too, um, options. In person, I'm going to position, as we've already shared, a clock maybe just behind the view of the client. So now, even if I, if I think of that next question, I see the clock. Um, however, another option for you, if you wanted to, you can invest, see there's like literal hourglasses that you can maybe use. And as you get to used to that timing, at least, you know, now when I'm at a certain point, I carry that with me and you share it with the client to keep track. Of, I have my hourglass here and I say, oh, awesome. That's nice. <laughs> you know, so and there are some options that you can use if you are, you know, if you have notes or anything like that. I've Before I came with these options, I would just kind of, you know, look down and what you all can't see right now as I'm thinking of the next question to ask you. I just looked at my watch. <laughs> so <laughs> finding finding little things. They have like foldable notebooks that come with a little clock at the top, like that come with a tiny digital clock at the top. That mm -hmm. like so if you're there and you're taking you know you're taking your notes and there's a little digital clock right at the top that makes it really you just gotta oh I'm taking a note. <laughs> um, yeah. But also I think that that it doesn't hurt. It's okay. I'm gonna give you permission to look at, at a clock, uh, the phone, I, I can see how that, but, but it's a, you're allowed to look at your clock. I think that that's okay for us to do. What are you well, I was just going to say, one of the things that I, that I do with my clients, especially if we're meeting in person and we're not actually in an office, but maybe we're eating, we're meeting out in public. I will say, you know what, your time is valuable. My time's valuable. I'm going to keep my clock, my phone here with the timer and I'm going to set it so that we have, we know we have five minutes to wrap up so we don't get carried away and you don't get cut off because I want to make sure you have the time you need and deserve before I go to my next client. So just being real transparent, like I need to have my timer here to honor both of us. Um, and I think that that's helped me a lot, just being very transparent. This is what we're doing. <laughs> yeah. The, the other thing that people do, I don't because I'm, I can't pay attention. They'll have like subtle music playing in the background, nothing major, you know, just real quiet music. And at the end, let's say that five minute, if we went with five minutes, five minutes, the same song comes on every 
you know, every ending at five minutes, not only do you get a notification, the clients get accustomed to knowing that five minute, they have five minutes left without you having to say anything. It's just that built in. Yeah. I tried. I tried the, uh, the, the, this, it didn't work for me. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, well, what, what time is it? <laughs> became a, a too much for me, but others, you know, you just got to find your comfort zone on what works for you in that space of knowing yourself. That's part of your learning curve. You're welcome, Jennifer. Yay. So I have a question now where we can sort of give our own sort of feedback. Um, we talked about Marcia's uh, five crazy beliefs that coaches have. What are some beliefs that you guys have observed that coaches have that are a bit crazy or odd or false I, I have one the concept of the right question i think that those are crazy it's a crazy 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 thought process because i don't believe there is just one right question and i don't believe that that us you know only i am gonna have some knowledge that will make me know the right question that nobody else will know i am and i just don't buy it i think that there are a host of questions that could be the right question. So getting hung up on, I oh, I asked the wrong question. I asked the right question, or oh, I said the wrong, wrong and right in that space for me. Uh, it, it, it just does not work. And I think it's it's, it's a lot easier also to think of wrong questions to ask than right questions to ask. <laughs> <laughs> I have one. Yeah. Um, so I think some of the things that I've heard people say is I shouldn't charge for my coaching because I'm new, or I should only charge this amount because I'm new. And I don't agree with that either. Like we have tons of experience. Most of us have tons of experience in life before we become coaches. And so I, I feel like that's 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 not nice to, to not charge for your services. And I think it's a myth. I think it's absolutely a myth that we should start charging right away and that we um, are only doing other people other coaches justice by charging right away have, the whole profession we should be charging for our services i have another one too that's come that i just thought of and that that's my life is not perfect my life is a mess my i have problems mm. i can't be a life coach so i can't be a coach yep <laughs> Well, you're right. You can't be your own coach. Go get a good coach. I think it bridges and it bridges beautifully. Right. Uh, Brooke with what Misha was sharing, like, that's the thing it's called life. And we all have human experience that is so different, so different and unique. And so to think that you're perfect, that, I mean, come on. Now we know, we know some car mechanics with the, the beat up car, you know, some hairstyles that they have may not be done. So when we get in these helping professions, right, we think, oh, you're a life coach. I had this conversation with someone earlier today. You know, you're a life coach. You have it all together. You have all this life experience. And you have to. That's right. Here. No. <laughs> <laughs> so that's the thing. It's like that's the beauty in it. You know, you you. It's it's all about what we've been talking about all this this whole life. Is the training, the experience, and the growth, and connecting with the client. Just to, to pair off of what everyone has said so far in this regard, young people who even come to the coaching, they go, what am I going to give? How can I coach anybody? 
you know, I've just been born essentially, you know, we have some 19 year olds and 20 somethings Mm -hmm. that come in and, and are feeling a little inadequate and by no means, (laughs) by no means they have a fluid of information, a fluid of experience and wisdom that they've gone through to be whatever age they are. So they will meet their clients, whoever that happens to be where they're at. There was this one, huh? But we're not giving answers, (laughs) right? Yeah. No, we're not telling anybody what to do. Well, the young um, people, I mean, the young people are important They in this business, you know, and the, we've heard the expression from the mouth of babes, mm-hmm. the mouth of babes, right? I mean, there are old souls out there who are 22 years old. <laughs> Everybody's valuable in this yeah. career. Yeah. Yeah. Um, any, any other beliefs? I've got one, but it's maybe something no one else thinks but me. <laughs> so, so I've had several times where I've thought to myself, I could have coached better, you know, as a new coach, I I could have coached better. And I realize I don't think that's true. I think you coach the best you can in every moment you're in. And if you want to coach better, you just keep coaching. Yeah. I don't think it's, I could have done better. I think it's, you're the best you are in your moment. I'm going to, I'm going to make you feel bad. I do think (laughs) objectively, I don't think Jen expects anything no, less. No, Anthony. No. I'm gonna say it. No, I'm Anthony. gonna say it. You, but I'm gonna I'm gonna make it sound nice at the end. So don't worry. But um, <laughs> whatever. Just ask permission. Intention and impact are two different things. It's not limited to coaching. It can be for any skill that you do or any pursuit that you have. Of course, you can always. You could have always done better. But you didn't. And you did the thing that you did. So what are you going to do with that information? You can either choose to grow from it or accept it, or you can do something else that's not really going to serve you, like beat yourself up and never coach again. Um, I mean, it's factually true, but it's not doing anything for you. It is is factually true. Like I, because I've had, this is going to send us down a philosophical uh, wormhole, but um, essentially like, I have a theory that everybody's doing the best they can at, in their lives at any time. And sometimes from our perspective, somebody else's best looks pretty shitty, but they're in a situation where there's a world of things going on that maybe we aren't aware of and they're doing the best they can. Like, I don't think anybody wakes up today and goes, I'm going to do the worst. <laughs> that is what, uh, That is my plan. I'm gonna, I think that we all, as human beings, and maybe this is just me being an optimist and, and thinking the best of people, get up and try to do our best. The Sometimes smile on Anthony's face right now yeah. is saying, yes, you are being very optimistic. Mm-hmm. But I think I said the exact same thing that Anthony said, just in a different language. What I'm saying is that if I want to be better, that I have the ability to be better. But I didn't have that ability in that coaching session I just had. I did my best in that session. I recognize that. If I want to be better, I have access to that. I just keep coaching. I keep reading. I keep learning. I keep growing. I keep working with my coach. Mm-hmm. It's it's that, and, and I'm trying to think who said it. I don't recollect who said it. It's when you know better, you do better. So in that moment, you have grace. 
And if you reflect back and recognize there's places where you could have improved, I don't like that word done better, just improved, right? Because it, it could have been done just fine. <laughs> but that possibility of improvement, then you improve. That's, that's part of the growth and the learning and why you want to keep going with this learning process of, I'm getting distracted by the chat. I got to close. <laughs> I forgot what I was going to say now. Y'all got me all confused. No, Lisa, you were right in the middle of that mic drop moment, right? It's just about, you can always, you can always want to improve, right? And that's, yeah. I think, with anyone. Because I, I, Brooke, I kind of believe that there are some people out there that just wakes up and say, I had a bad day yesterday. Let me see who else's day I can ruin. But if you are, and that goes back to what I but said. But they're good at it. Right. But they're good at it. That's true. It, that's but intention, right, is everything. And so if you are, if you have the intent of helping and being the best you, then back to what Anthony said, which I love the way you summed that up, Anthony. It's like, what do you do with the information? If you have that thought or that question that pops up and you say, you know what? I could have done better. Have a conversation with that thought. Sit with it and say, okay, what, what, how do I process this information? Let me sit down, have this self-session. What could I have done better? Okay, next time, this is how I will improve, right? You know, and, and not be so hard. Extend yourself grace and and do better <laughs> improve all right guys i am we are well past our time uh what an awesome topic and what an awesome group of people um quickly i want to introduce misha for those who don't know misha is our newest fit she's here um and new to the team we're happy to have her on board so thank you. uh yeah thank you so much for being here and um i'm, I'm gonna do this as quick as humanly possible so if thank you guys so much for watching. If and if you enjoyed this and you watch it, please make sure you like, subscribe, comment, share this with somebody who could benefit from it. Um, share this with somebody you know who might like it. And also make sure you check out the Certified Life Coach Institute. We certified life coaches in three days. We're award-winning, we're accredited, we're awesome. So check us out. Hey everyone, thanks for tuning into today's episode. Once again, this is brought to you by Certified Life Coach Institute. We're an ICF accredited school who certifies our life coaches in three-day online intensive courses. In addition to other podcast episodes, feel free to check us out every Tuesday at 4 o'clock p.m. Pacific Standard Time on YouTube or Facebook for our CLCI Lives, where we get together and discuss various topics that are centered around sharpening your skills so you can become a better certified life coach. For more information, feel free to visit us at certifiedlifecoachinstitute.com. Until next time, be well.